Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Going back to the Memphis thing, you heard about what they call ABLE, right? Which is basically when an officer is doing something wrong, somebody says, well, 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 that means stop. I'm going to call somebody, supervisor or whatever. I don't know if you remember when the George Floyd situation, they had three officers with them. The Asian officer who was the brother-in-law of uh, Chauvinet because Chauvinet was married to his sister. Then there was two other officers that one of them had like three weeks on and the other one maybe a couple of months. And I believe it was the one that had the less time told him, hey man, can you stop? Because you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I can imagine because this is, you know, what I heard. They probably told him, shut the heck up, you rookie-ass officer, whatever, because, you know, that's going to happen. You, I mean, you got more time, you want to tell the rookie officer to shut up. And I feel bad because that officer was judged basically the same way the Chauvinet was judged, you know, in charge. Yeah. In my opinion, that's completely wrong. He tried something. With the Memphis, Tennessee, there were two other officers, I believe it was Sheriff Department, that came over. They saw what happened. They say, like, we don't want any part of it. We do not want anything to happen. Well, they're already suspended, non-contact or whatever. I understand they probably should have taken the radio and call a supervisor and say, hey, this is what we found. This is what happened here. They failed for doing that, probably. Should they charge? Should they be charged the same way because of that? I don't believe so, to be honest with you, because one thing is you consenting to that, and the other thing is you participating to that, and the third thing is like, you're like, no, I don't want no part of it. Not that they are covering because they're probably going to go back to the station and tell the supervisor, hey, we just saw this guy all beat up. And I believe that who did it, they did. But we didn't want any part of it. Yeah. You can call those guys to testify later on, but should we charge him? No. It's the same thing with the George Floyd situation. But one of the things that we need to do is educate more our law enforcement officers. And not only that, administratively speaking, the uh, police departments need to know that. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about Nichols because, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, you find guys, they know how to fight more than the police. They are MMA fighters or boxers, karate. I'm telling you because I spent, I started in 1974 doing martial arts. So, you know, I used to compete. I went to Oakland, California, some nationals, you know, and also in judo and taekwondo, whatever, and jiu-jitsu. So it's very important for the officers to know how to fight, how to defend themselves. And I have to agree with what some comments that I saw there of some people saying, including a black guy from some police department that he does jiu-jitsu and he trains and says, you know, the, and I, I, I'm always an advocate of that. Every officer should know Female and male officers should know how to do martial arts because that would prevent a lot of things from happening. You could see the poor training that they had. How can you tell me you could not, five of you, handcuff this guy? Okay? That's number one. Number two, you mean to tell me that you never learned that as a police officer, there's one minute 
or one situation in which you need to to say enough is enough, stop. Okay, so that's part of your discipline and also training. And number three, you do not hit anybody. You do not beat up, assault anybody who is in handcuffs. The minute you put the handcuffs in, or at least you're already controlling that person. That's it. I don't care if he spit on your face. He calls your mama, he calls whoever, whatever, and your mom just died, you know, a month ago, whatever. No, he needs to stop. And that's part of the training that we get in every police academy. Once you put the handcuffs on, you don't hit a person. That's it. The most you do is control that person if he keeps resisting. But, you know, that too, let me kick it in the face on the head three or four times, pointing it while the person is defenseless in the face. Okay, and then we also learn from George Floyd kneeling down on the officer. Could be the chest, I'm, I'm sorry, on the victim. Could be the chest or the back. That's a no-no. And I'm sure they probably told you that at the academy. And number four, you forgot that you are on a camera. You know, you have your BWC there active. And I'm not saying that if you don't have it, you can do it. No, 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 no. You must apply everything you learn. Yeah, somebody in, in today's society, it's like we, what I talked about earlier, you know, somebody's camera is rolling. And if it's not being recorded on a camera, more than likely there's a security camera somewhere from a business nearby. I mean, somebody is going to catch that. And like, like the one that, that, that took the whole thing up there, you know, the perfect camera. But I don't know if you noticed that one of the officer. He covered his camera, then he went like this, turned it, and he tossed it into the vehicle. I, 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 I didn't see that. Yeah, I guess he realized kind of late that, you know, it was recording and he tossed it because it's like, oh, damn it, it's recording. See what I'm saying? Yeah, but what about the, 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 the four other ones? And then they never looked around. I think if they would be conscious enough of that, they wouldn't commit that kind of crime, I'm thinking. See what I'm saying? Because the first thing that you need to say is, I'm hot, I'm hot, meaning the camera is recording. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Control yourself. Well, and again, Jared, that doesn't mean that if you don't have it on, that you're going to proceed and do that. But at least, you know, because you need to be conscious of, you know, and aware of your environment, relaxed, but alert, and, and everything. Well, everybody is going to be held accountable in whatever environment they operate. So me, when I worked in corporate America, I learned really quickly to always hesitate before I hit send. If I didn't want the whole world to read what I was writing, then don't send it. So, exactly. exactly. You know, and if you don't want the whole world to know what you're doing, don't do it. And I don't understand some of the mentality some people that think like this kid that was just beating up the nine-year-old, the little a third grade girl, I, a, a teenage boy. And you, I'm sure you will see this video because uh, mm -hmm. it's going viral right now. It's just disgusting. And wow. but what is have to go through this kid's mind where he in some way thinks he is justified or there's no repercussions for him to beat up this little nine-year-old girl. I, I'll tell you what, man, my, oh, I, I can't fathom what my dad would have done to me if I had ever done that. But then we have to look back at our experience, especially mine as a police officer 
And I'm sure you don't have to be a police officer to see a lot of wrong things happening out there. But I wonder what is his home look like? Maybe his mother was abused physically by the dad. Maybe his sister or brothers, if he has any. Maybe he lives next to somebody or an uncle or somebody that he had to learn that somewhere close to home, if not at home, in order for him to practice that against a female, number one, a younger person, number two, and number three, that you've been given the freedom to do it and then there's no consequences. And again, the consequences are needed in order for you to have a better self-esteem, believe it or not. Some people don't believe it, but I do believe it. Why? Because that's how you're going to learn through consequences. The other situation we had in Virginia, that the six-year-old shot the teacher, shot her. And then something came up saying that not only that shot that person, that female, but threatened. I think it was the assistant principal after that. But then one of the things that I say, I hesitated to make that comment. I say, you know what? The parents should be locked up, should be arrested. Why? First of all, how do you allow that kid to get that gun if he got it from your home? If not, next door neighbor on the street, where were you that this kid was not disciplined before? Or what kind of discipline are you teaching him this kid? What kind of rules? Parents don't want to take responsibility for their kid's action. And honestly, it's like, well, I cannot discipline my kid because no, 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 you can't discipline your kid. There's nothing that says that you cannot. Okay. If you spend time reading about what kind of food or what kind of makeup you have to use, then you have to read about what kind of stuff you'll be teaching your kids. It's simple. Uh, you can go to church. You can ask the pastor. You can read the Bible. You can read some other very in instructive books and stuff like that. But in that case, I would go back and say, no, bring me the mother or the father of that kid. Where do you find that gun? What are you teaching your kid? Six-year-old shooting a teacher? No, unacceptable. Sure. That kid, nine-year-old beating up a, I mean, the teenager beating up a young girl on the bus? Yeah. I promise you will be blown away when you see it. It's, and it's vicious. It's like he, he wasn't, he didn't just slap her. I mean, he was, I'll bet in the span of 30 seconds, he hit her 20. Wow. Yeah, wow. It's just unreal. So anyway, you know, we can go on about this um, all day, but it's just the bottom line. I think I'll, I'll let you finish and give me your thoughts. But in my opinion, I think we as a society, we have to decide what kind of a society we want. If it's a lawless, you know, every man and woman and every family for themselves, if that's what you want, then state it. and come out and say, this is what I want. And this is the, what I'm going to push for. And then we can decide, well, uh, if that mayor wants that kind of society, then I'm leaving. I'm going to go some other place. And I, that's all, that's already kind of happening. You know, there, yeah. there's a, there's an environment kind of like that in like New York and other really California, really expensive areas. People are fleeing those areas. They're, they're coming to Utah. They're coming to Montana, they're going to Florida, they're going to Alabama. People are just, it's like this mass exodus out of these lawless. And the reason, a big reason is because of the crime. A big reason is because of the high taxes. But a lot of it is just this 
insane mentality of some of these politicians where they're just like, you know what, we'll just tax them more. It doesn't matter what we spend money on. Uh, there's always this, it's like this mentality of there's this endless supply of money from the taxpayers that we can do with whatever we want. And we're going we're gonna to rule it however we want. And you know, it's not true because nope. people are voting with their feet if they're not voting at the ballot box. And there's a reason that so many people are moving to Florida and other places. And it's just weird. I mean, I, I don't know what the end result is. And I'll let you finish with your last thoughts on kind of, especially on the East Coast there, what's happening that you see? Well, about the same thing that you're describing, the so-called bail reform, okay, is ridiculous on the East Coast. It is bad. But one of the places that honestly I like, because sometimes they're calling racist, but, you know, I call him like efficient. Part of Virginia are very, very harsh with putting the guys away. But then I learned that a couple of years ago, this guy was saying, and we were worried because of one of the cases in, on, on this area, in the area, this guy said, well, a guy who commits a homicide, maybe one or two homicides, and is less than 26, 27, uh, should not be given at a state level, you know, not at a federal level. Federal, they don't care. But a state level, city level, he should not be given more than 15 or 20 years for a homicide or two. Why? Because at 25, 26, the brain is not fully developed. So this guy, scientist, is saying, so at 27, it is. But at 25, 26, it's not. So therefore, he or she doesn't understand completely what they're doing in terms of killing somebody and doing whatever they do. So that's the reason why you should not be giving these people or these young people, you know, so much time in crime. Okay. But at 27 years they are, and I'm thinking and say, oh, so really, they're not really aware of what they're doing. So those things have been implemented in some cities around here and through the United States. So basically you get one for two, you kill two people and you're probably going to get, well, 15 or 20 years because, you know, you're not unless you're 27 and over. Do you see what I'm saying? For one homicide, you should be getting what? 30 to life. But then, you know, if you're 20, right? But then if you commit two homicides, you're still getting 20, 20 years, no more than that, maybe 15. So for two people, you got one. What sentence? Okay. They're only going to pay for one. So this thing that came up, this guy came up with, it is, I've seen it. Uh, because I'm, you know, we connected on this area with the crime. It's like a run, you know, basically it's out of control. Uh, repeated offenders, carjackers are repeated offenders. Carjackers, you know, normally it gives you 10 years or more or whatever, including kidnapping because sometimes it takes a person away with the whole car. So guess what? They keep repeating the same offense. So what is going to happen is that people are going to start fleeing away from this area, like you said before, and you cannot blame it. Now, the money is not going to solve the problem. The taxes are going to solve the problems because we are uh, closely 43, like 43% of our checks, you know, getting, getting deducted for a whole lot of things. That's not going to solve the problems. I think the problem can be solved by holding accountable the people that are committing the crimes. One thing that I always am a believer of this Officers and people need to be, civilians in general, needs to be more involved into nonprofit organizations, sports, churches to help. And not only that, to help 
from a younger age. Because if you see around this area, we have the shooters are from 14 to 25 years of age. That's the average, 14 to 25 years old. The ones getting killed, same age, 14 to 25 years. What does that tell you? That tells you that there's something wrong at the home. Maybe churches are not participating. Nonprofit organizations are not participating. Sport places are not participating the way they should be participating and getting involved. If that continues to happen, not getting involved, we're going to see more of what Memphis, Tennessee situation. And on top of that, because of that, we're already going to see the negativeness coming towards all us uh, law enforcement in, in every aspect of it, believe it or not. I 100% agree. I mean, it's all of this has to happen. It has to start in the home and demonizing people that are trying to fix things, good teachers, good cops, all of those people are getting demonized and marginalized. And I don't know, like, like we said at the very beginning, everything is kind of cyclical. Yeah. And I think we're headed back to the 80s and 90s type of level of violence. And I, I, but it, eventually the people are going to get so tired of it that they're going to go, okay, we got to bring in people that will clean this up. And you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Expendables. You know, somebody like Rudy Giuliani is brought back in and they're like, clean this place up. And that's, I think that's what it's going to take. And it's sad because in between now and then, a lot of people are going to get hurt. And um, I don't know what else to do with it, but. Anyway, a lot of it is just bringing it to attention and talking about it. And the more, um, you know, guys like you that stand up and, and say, you. hey, this has to change, then hopefully it will. So That's, the last thing real quick, Jared, El Salvador had one of the biggest problems with MS-13 and 18th Street, right? And it was like thousands of people killing, getting killed every year. So the president Bukele started implementing, grabbing everybody. In four months, four and a half months, he locked up over 50,000 gang members. He said, oh, you guys want to kill each other? And he put them in jail together. He said, kill each other now, you know, because in between your war, innocent people are getting killed. So 50,000, great, phenomenal. Now people can go out there, have their business, not getting extorted, not getting threatened, not getting shot, not getting killed, not getting robbed. And including the tourism is increasing right now. He's going to try to get reelected for another five years. It's different than here. That's 10 years. And then I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe they need somebody from his same cabinet that do it for another five years or 10 years. I think like 15 or 20 years. You know, Honduras had the same problem and Honduras was in a lockdown recently. So they called Bukele. So now they're implementing something like Bukele was doing it so they can control the drug controls in Honduras and also the gang members. So now he built a new jail, prison facility, to get these guys there. He gave them one meal a day. They don't get mattresses to sleep on it and no cable and whatever. No, you're going to suffer the consequences because I'm not going to be taxing the people to pay you for the food that you already kill people and, and extorting or whatever. So that big change, and again, of course, that would never happen in the United States because I, it's unrealistic. I don't think, you know, this is democracy and, and I don't know. I don't know. That's another topic. But Bukele is doing a great thing. And the last other thing that I wanted to add real quick, in Dominican Republic, we had a situation with the, these guys that was with a rifle. He robbed a place. He shot some people. He killed some people. His father was a, a police general. 
So the way he was brought up, it was that whatever he wanted, he would give to his son. And in school, he was so arrogant and say, oh, uh, he'll misbehave himself, do something like that teenagers, you know, nine year old, and then somebody would come in and say, hey, you know, you cannot do that or whatever. And the general would come like, that's my son. You don't mess around with him. Subsequently, this kid, when he was like 20 something, he got shot and killed. Say, oh, they, oh, they persecuted my son and whatever, whatever, whatever. And somebody there to tell him and say, no, it's your fault because of the way you raised him. So everyone and stuff like that. And you gave him the power without control. So that's what we get in here these days when we're raising these kids. And we cannot allow a person who's going to become a police officer to be like that. Because then we would have and continue to have repeated Memphis, Tennessee situation. Thank you. Oh, you know what? Amen, brother. And I'll tell you, that's, um, you know, words of the wise right there. Say, hey, Thank you. We have to do something to help educate these kids because the life is tough. And if you're easy on them and just give them everything that they want when they're young, they are going to grow up to be just worthless members of society. And then yes. eventually they have to pay the piper. And it's sad when that happens. So it is indeed. All right. Hey, Ellie, I appreciate it, man. You're a good man and carry on. Okay. Thank you, you, sir. Uh, yes, sir. All right. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. God bless everybody who's watching this. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.